we record the chat afterwards and do it, put it on another, do a little, release it, and call it Revolution Afterglow. It's like the A-team, if you can find it. I was just going to say, I have a couple things to say, and then I'm going to listen. Okay. And the first thing, I heard something on the radio yesterday by um, kind of a neurological physician, and she was saying that the most dangerous need that we have is that of not feeling we belong at home, in our homes. You know, you can feel like you don't belong at school or you didn't belong at church, but when you feel like you don't belong at home, it goes deep. And the second thing I wanted to say is I have difficulty with the word grace because I do connect it with the evangelical church because they name their churches grace, grace, grace. And I feel like when I hear the word grace, I think of all-white suburban, upper middle class, basically. And for me, it's it's hard to know what grace is in a positive sense. And I think it's like even saying that salvation is a free gift. Well, if you think about what the word gift means these days, have you ever gone on the internet and signed up for a free gift? You know, you would probably have done this, but a free lipstick. And then when you get the free lipstick, it says in the box, we've billed $39 to your credit card because every month you're going to get another makeup item until you tell us that you no longer want to receive them. You know, it's like there's no such thing as a free gift any longer in most most venues. And so I think really it's hard to talk about things like grace and faith where words are no longer defined in the way that we would have expected, say, 20 years ago. Yeah, I always felt that that growing up too, because it was like grace is free or salvation is free. It just costs you everything. <laughs> I'm so confused. You know, it was like the sinner's prayer where they would have everybody's eyes closed, head bowed, no one looking around. You know, and then do the sinner's prayer, and then be like, "All right, now if you raise your hand, I want you to stand up because God's." God will be ashamed of you if you're ashamed of God. And he was like, wait a second. We just did this whole thing of where it was like private and nobody wanted to see anybody do it. And now all of a sudden you've got to stand up and be counted amongst the holy. So that bait and switch kind of thing, I feel like has always kind of been there. And um, I hope and I feel that that's what Paul and the apostles were rebelling against even that type of bait and switch. And I think that definitely when we had the you know, the, the Reformation, Martin Luther seemed to be reforming against that same kind of thing, that whole bait and switch of indulgences. You know. But yeah, it is tough to hear those words now seems like it's always complicated because there's always someone using that for your gift 
even like forgiving for your gift of a thousand dollars you receive another gift you know you're like wait a second I'm buying something aren't I for your Detroit donation for your gift to to rock you know whatever the radio station or whatever you still get like CDs or a cozy or a bag with the name of the place on it you know just exchange of goods. Mm-hmm. Or for your donation to the church, you get a holy prayer cloth. Yeah. <laughs> a free holy prayer cloth. Or food that will last you a lifetime. Salvation. <laughs> You're talking about um, sinner's prayer reminds me of uh, this thing that really confused me when I was like in high school in the Baptist church about uh, like the fruit of the spirit because I remember a lot of times people be like you know once once you have Christ in your heart you're going to naturally uh, exude all these character traits you know love, joy, peace, faith you know all the, the fruit of the spirit and then someone would be like well why aren't you I, I'm not seeing that, that fruit in your life brother uh, yeah. where's that fruit in your life and it's like well what do I what am I doing wrong they're like oh nothing but like the spirit will make that happen for you. So it's like, okay, so what do I do? Like, oh no, no, it's free. Like, <laughs> it'll just happen. And then it's like, well, that's just a conflicting message. Honestly, it's very confusing. Yeah. It's like it'll happen, brother. I'm like, okay. Why isn't it happening, brother? Uh, you said it would just happen. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of. I feel like when I kind of got free from that crap is when anything. Right, it happened. Yeah, for sure. When I stopped waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen, or caring that it happened, you know, and then it happened, or it just changed, which I know it kind of. I don't want to go back into that whole train of thought because, but I had to really completely just be like, screw that, <laughs> completely, and, and then, and then I didn't go back into this into the talk. Why, for me, why I went back to revolution doing church again was because I got grace and I realized it had nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? It was like, if you're accepted, you're loved. And then I was like, this is great. But now I want to tell other people about it and set them free from the same crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to hopefully people be set free from the same crap that I was put into. And that was where that, for me, any, what do you call sanctification or fruits of the Spirit or any of that stuff came real. It was only just because I wanted to return the favor. But somebody else encouraged me. I want to encourage others. And I wanted to be called a heretic for the next 20 years of my life. It's fun being a heretic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a I put up this I'm doing this loose in the Bible Belt tour and uh, I put up this promoter has asked me to put up old stuff that I've done so I did this little Larry King thing on my my Facebook and someone was like the church is ending because I said the church is dying the church is dying because of crazy people like your father blah 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 
and are you just selling a different type of crazy than he is? You know, it's like, so as soon as you get used to getting a heretic, then you just get it from the other side where people are just like, you're just a crazy religious fanatic. I don't care how good your message is. It's like, people are never happy. No. Or, you know, that's okay. I'm not happy, so... (laughs) Why should they be? <laughs> you know, I notice when I re-listen to your messages when I'm not here, um, just how sane they are. Sane? Well, that's nice to hear. I think your story of um, not bearing the fruits (laughs) that you're, you know, the fruits of the Spirit reminded me of my upbringing because I was raised in a very Pentecostal tradition. So that ups the ante because I only have to do the sinner's prayer, but if you're not baptized by the Holy Spirit, then you're going to hell. So that, it's like these two layers, like, and then like these these people are like holding like night vigils and praying and trying to get the baptism, and you only know if you get the speaking of tongues and all this whole whole thing. And I, you know, I turn to like this one of the pastors. I'm like, there's people that are like 80 years old that say have have they haven't experienced this, and you're telling them they're going to hell because they haven't <laughs> had the baptism. He's like, oh, but they're still saved. But you're telling me, you know, like these conflicting messages. And, yeah. Uh, like he doesn't, he didn't even know what to believe. When I challenged him on the, the thought process and the rationale behind it, it's just insane. Like these rules. That are I remember really praying for hours because of that stuff. Praying for hours. Praying for oh, hours. Pray? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Because I mean, at a time, <laughs> not just once, but like you know, over and over and over again. Going to these, going to church and afterwards going up to the altars, mm-hmm. just sitting up there and crying, just going like, "Why am I not speaking in tongues?" Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with me? It Why does God always, hate me so much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always something else to reach. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I remember being, because I went to a Pentecostal church for like maybe a year and a half or so, and then. Back to Baptist, like uh, you know, I didn't, my parents chose this. So, so. Baptists aren't the real Christians. Oh, right. Well, the yeah. Pentecostals are. Right. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so they told me. Well, I went to it. They oh, call yeah. themselves non-denominational, but they're very Pentecostal. You know, like right. flag waving and oh. you know, slain in the spirit, like every single at the end of every single sermon. And I remember one time, like I was always, I was a shy kid, which now kind of swung in the opposite direction. I'm very outspoken about things, but like uh, I remember faking. Like fully, you know, walking up there, walking down the aisle, like being encouraged, like, go, 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 brother, go. And every single person before me, when the pastor touched their head, they'd fall down and, like, have a seizure. And, like, I went up there, I get touched in the head. I'm, I'm just waiting for it to I'm like, oh, this is going to happen. Right. Like, I see it around me, I believe in God. And then it didn't happen. Touched me again, didn't happen. Touched me a third time, and so then I was like, I faked it. You know, I was like, oh, I felt shit. the pressure. Like, I, I better, you know, fall in line. And obviously, in my head at the time, not not to fool God, but to, to fool the people around me, right. you know, and, and they bought it, of course, and like, 
I, maybe everybody, I have no clue if everybody else was having a genuine experience or not. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, and they were all... I suspect they might have also been thinking, but, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not in their heads. Right. But, like, I just felt so much pressure, you know, to to appear holy enough to where, like... Yeah. I... I, I, I saw no other option but then to, to fall on the ground and like shake around <laughs> and I was like a theater kid so like I knew how to, how to act you know so like I, I just impersonated every other person in front of me in line and just like had a little seizure oh my gosh yeah, I remember pre- getting pressure on the head uh-huh. pressure is probably like uh, this is not it's like pushing you over yeah. <laughs> I was a rebel. I never fell. I was like, I've never fallen unless something happens to me. Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, I was very, very much going to keep it real. Did they cover you with a sheet? No. Oh, they didn't have sheets. Yeah. I was into this thing where I was laughing. I was laughing in the spirit. People were falling out laughing, and they are like, they're drunk on the new wine of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's nuts. Crazy. Yeah, I guess uh, it seems like, to some extent, the Bible is kind of like a Rorschach test where some people (laughs) look at it and they see grace and love, and other people see exclusion and uh, works are, you know, important for uh, for you to be saved or accepted, and it just is a really rough thing to be in a community of people that are more on the uh, exclusionary, like legalism side, and then to read the same book that they're reading and telling you, like, you need to pay attention to this book. And you read it and you see stuff like you pointed out today. Uh, because then it just like messes with the dynamic you have with the community of people and like even if you do get to the point where you're like I trust myself as an individual to be able to read this text and comprehend it and I think that it's saying grace and love is superior but even if you have that courage to trust yourself you still have this group of people around you that you have to interact with uh like, I think that you, if you even have more, like, individual stamina, perhaps you can get to the point where you can see it as a opportunity instead of a problem. Mm-hmm. Where you can be like, I can help these other people out yeah. that are having a hard time seeing this sort of thing. But all of it just seems like a lot of weight to bear, and it's easier just to run for the hills, I guess. And, uh, not try to engage with the larger community, but uh, it's probably the better route to go is to engage, not just uh, shut part of your life off, your part of your history off. I'm often really super tempted to run from the hills. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's often times where I'm just like, we're done. Sundays rolled around, but I definitely feel that 
even when I'm reading the Bible myself, because I see when I see conflicting things in the Bible, you know, I go, Ugh, what do I do with this? Yeah. You know? Ostracized because you go, no, it's about grace, and they go, oh, brother, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> you're trying to, you're trying to tickle people's ears. That's what I always got to keep those tickling ears. What's that? Saying what people want to hear. Yeah. Oh, you're telling them what you want to hear. Like not telling the truth. You're trying the to be a people. Yeah. You're trying to be a people pleaser. And uh, so that's always fun. That's why I like Galatians, because Paul opens up with saying that that's what he's being accused of. <laughs> so I've always felt kindred spirit there. You know. Sheep and wolf's clothing, or wolf and sheep's clothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't make much sense, I guess. Sheep just like a wolf. You're a charlatan, man. Yeah. Well, as you had pointed out, uh, I don't know when, but during one of your sermons, Jesus was kind of picky himself with the the scriptures of the time, where he was saying, like, you know, certain things still make sense in this new kingdom of God, and certain things don't apply any longer, and was kind of uh, selectively reading. Yeah, it was like read verse leave out like the hard part or the really weird part you know leave something out and then close close the book it wasn't a book close the scroll roll it up <laughs> and put it down yeah cherry pickers I mean I, yeah, I have a sermon that I did years and years ago called cherry pickers and because Paul and Jesus both did that Paul would even like Shape scriptures. So, oh, what do you do? Yeah, it seems like the best thing to do is just to not fall too heavily on one side or the other. Just to be, I guess, always open to hearing. I just always go back to thinking of Jesus' response to the devil when he's tempted to make bread out of stones. It's like, I don't live on bread alone. I live by uh, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And if we can attune ourselves to trying to always see things as clues, you know, whether we're reading the Bible or having social interactions or uh, hearing certain certain narratives, to always just try to not be black and white, but to always be trying to discern how you should be interpreting or how you should be acting. And always be open to modifying that working narrative as to how things operate. Uh, Which seems like a hard thing to do, but probably just 
the best of a lot of bad options <laughs> yeah. as to how to live. I think Caputo said, um, and then, you know, Caputo deals a lot with like postmodernism and like in responding to postmodernism. John Caputo. Oh, Caputo. Yeah. Um, just like the idea that uh, I think it was him. Is it, I think he said that um, it's not you're not being like complacent you're not like you say like tickling ears in a bad way by adapting uh, wisdom and, and, and teachings and in this application of Christian or you know Judeo-Christian scriptures you're not like you're not compromising anything you're reacting to a changing environment when the environment changes the language that you use changes you know, like, language is fluid and constantly changing. And, like, that's why we don't... Like, sorry, Latin is a dead language, and yet there are, I don't know, dozens of romance languages that came from it because they all adapted to the environment that, they, that that language was taken to. Like, that's how Romanian, you know, came about. That's how, you know, Spanish and Italian came Like, there's, there's a, a, a common origin, but, like, they've all adapted to their own environments and... and Anyway, it's kind of. But I think Caputo said that like, um, it's like taking a picture of a waterfall and saying this is waterfall. It's like no, a waterfall is constantly moving. There's different iterations of it, and it is a beautiful thing when you see it in motion. But just to have a stagnant image of it and say this is that thing is like you know close-minded and and um, limiting your understanding of it, and so. And what Curtis was saying just kind of reminded me that uh, I don't think it's compromising anything to quote unquote cherry pick or selectively read or whatever it's or, or, or reinterpret and reapply the wisdom that we've been handed down you know like it's the heart of it is, is the same like love is the same but how we uh, interpreted how we communicate about it, the terms that we use about it change. You know, like even a, any word, like even a word that's like super. This is an extreme example, but a word that may be super offensive now was not intended maliciously. Maybe like you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, something like that. Like meanings change because our understanding of things in our environment changes. It's not that the heart of it, the spirit of it. It's not that love changes, it's that how we talk about it changes. Yeah, that's great. That's good. That's really good. Thanks. I like that. Any burning desires? Yeah. Well, Joni Mitchell, who is a poet, said that Jesus was the diver for our hearts. And that's how he needs my that's something strange to connect in a visceral way with the diver. With the needy people. He's the diver for our yeah. hearts. And I think that's how that's how we use language and that's that's a, why we converse. Because we're trying to connect with hearts. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to, before I forget, I'm going to pass the hat. And if you want to get a great, if you don't, that's great, too. Honestly. Do you mind?
Thank you, brother. Thank you, Deacon. A post-Christian production.